This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. I'm your host, Meryl van der Merwe, and this is the 26th episode. That means I have now been doing this for half a year. Quite amazing. Thank you for listening along as I share my different thoughts on technology and homeschooling. So in today's episode, episode 26, we're going to be looking at online communication skills your children need to learn. When your children are little and they start to learn to talk and you take them out and they start to talk to other people, you watch them, you correct them if they use poor grammar as they're getting older, you correct them if they don't address a person correctly. In real life, you're walking there side by side, helping them with communication skills. Once they learn to write, you will also be watching over them as you get them to write thank you letters to aunts and uncles and pen other notes um, that they might give to a co-op teacher or something like that along the way and you will check and see what they've done. However, I think many parents are not spending time they need to to also teach their children online communication skills and because I'm often on the end of receiving poor um, online communications from teens, I thought I'd perhaps share a few things that might help you. My first point is I would suggest you start early. Once your child can write and can put sentences together, I would suggest you get them an email account. Now, some of you might think that's too young. I know we did it for my youngest. I can't remember the older ones when we did it, but I know my youngest one, we did it. She must have been six or so when we got her a first email account. Now, you could If you don't want to do that, you could also just do one with, um, you could let them use your email account or depending on who your service provider is and how you do it, you could set up an account under yours so that you can watch what they're sending out and what they're getting in. I understand if they're younger, you may want to monitor things more. Um, However you do it, that's fine, but just give them the opportunity of starting online communication. Also, even if you're out somewhere and you're needing to text um, your husband, you could always give your phone to your child and get them to do it. All these teach these skills. When they do get their own email account, and I do suggest that as soon as you feel they're old enough to um, be allowed their own one, that you would give it to them somewhere upper elementary, middle school, I would say in the latest. And again, if you want to monitor it, you can do that too, but give them their own. Make sure they pick a reasonable name for the email. Now it's getting harder and harder to pick um, an email that's just sort of your name or something reasonable. And so I have a lot of students who have some crazy email names. These are very cute when they're 8, 9, 10. Funny when they're in middle school. But when you're applying to colleges, you I, I keep having a whole lot of them coming into my mind right now. And I don't want to say any of them aloud. But uh, a lot of the ones that students have just are not appropriate. So do think that through if they want to keep their email all the way through in life. Then once they have an email, get them to start checking it regularly. 
for the foreseeable future, it seems that adult uh, conversation is going to be happening online primarily through emails. Maybe one day something will change, but right now at work, etc., that is still where a lot of communication is coming. Or even if they're using something like Slack to communicate through, it's still something you need to check because you probably don't want something that's notifying you every single time a message comes through. So initially, you know, perhaps you're getting your child to check the emails once a month, once a month, sorry, once, once a week, if they hardly get any, eventually getting it down to one a day. I know as a Science Olympiad coach, um, because we're a homeschool team, we don't see our students regularly, we have to communicate with our students through online means. And it's very frustrating when you send out a message and you just don't get any response because the child is not checking for us at Slack and sometimes we'll then go to emails too and it's still not checking that. So it's part of one of those things that just need to get used to just like you brush your teeth twice a day you need to be checking your emails to see if somebody's trying to contact you because it's not like the old times of the of the telephone where the telephone rings and you literally know there's someone wanting to tell you something or a letter arrives in your uh, physical letter arrives so they do need to look at that because once again once they get to high school um, if they're doing online classes they need to be able to see if the teacher has sent them a message they need to be able to see if um, colleges are asking them for more information if a scholarship uh, has come back and is checking up on something or even they've come back to say they've won they need to learn to check the second thing you need to teach your children to do is to always answer emails and texts even if all they're going to answer is thanks or okay they should answer they should acknowledge that they have received it and they have seen whatever has been communicated to them texting definitely an okay is all right if they know the person pretty well even the simple k is all right just something um but if you don't know the person so well say thank you thanks and via email again when i email somebody and again i often email students and this is a real frustration with me i email them to say do you realize you have not checked your grades and you're doing poorly or do you realize that you skipped an assignment whatever i tell them i am stunned at how many students never answer me i have no idea whether they've read it or not I don't know how else to contact them. You know, I'll contact them either the messaging system um, through Canvas, which is the learning management system we use, or I'll even email them. If I don't get anything back, I don't know. I don't know if they've understood. I don't know if they're just mad with me because I reached out to them. But sometimes I'm just trying to help them, and I don't know. So to me, it's, it's very rude when a student doesn't respond. And they need to understand that, that as they go through life, if their boss or a coworker or anybody is emailing them and saying, oh, please, could you set this up? Or um, don't forget the meeting tomorrow or anything like that. They need to go back with an okay, a thanks, something that says they actually saw it. Then the next thing, number three, is teach them to check their spellings and basic grammar. Yes, they need to use proper sentences with proper English when they are communicating with adults. A real person, normally a real adult, will be on the other end reading it. So they do need to take time to sound professional even when they're just a student. Because when we, re when we receive, like for instance, I, I get, still get a couple of students who will submit an assignment in a high school class and instead of writing proper English, they will use texting lingo. I know it's my, my youngest daughter who's one of my teaching assistants 
it really drives her crazy when she gets an assignment where U is spelt U, just as in the letter U. And instead of A-R-E, so that's the U as in Y-O-U, an A-R-E simply becomes an R. That's not appropriate when you're submitting an assignment for a class. So teach your children to do that, to read over and check their spelling. Grammarly is a great tool to use to help them catch any typos. Um, for most email providers, they have a, uh, a little add-on that will work and I will link to it. And otherwise, I think for Outlook, there is something else you can download for Outlook that you can use. So that is a good way for them just to be sure that they are sending it correctly. And obviously, when they're younger, this is again, start when they're even, you know, eight or nine. Get them to just come and ask you to look over it before they send something so that you can see and say, yes, that sounds good. You can send that to granny now or whatever else. Just teach them to just stop and check and make sure the English is correct. Number four, and this of course is probably the biggie, is teach them to choose their words carefully. This applies not only when they're doing emails or texts, but in any of social media, in online forums, anytime they are communicating online. Remind them their words will live on forever. Yes, they are used to the fact that some of the sites like Snapchat, things are out there and they disappear. But the reality is they never really disappear. Because what happens is, and sorry for the noise in the background, that's my cat falling through a box. He was on the windowsill. Um, they always want to come in here when I'm recording and he managed to fall into a box. Okay, so back to being careful with your words. Um, because what happens is somehow either almost everything we type is actually stored online. So tweets all go into a big vault somewhere, just about everything stays somewhere and can be found again. Um, again, with emails, any kind of communication. And they have to understand this from a young age, that what they do could stay to haunt them for years and years to come. So they need to be careful. It is so easy just to whip off a reply. Somebody emails you something, you're annoyed with them and you shoot something back at them. Somebody posts on social media and you just fly back with a response. You know, in the old days of using pen and paper, when you wanted to respond, you'd have to find the paper. You'd have to find the pen. You'd have to find an envelope. You'd have to sit down and write it. You'd have to fold it all up, put it in the envelope. You'd have to stick a stamp on it. By the time you've done all those things and then go put it in a mailbox, the likelihood is you've maybe cooled down a bit. Perhaps you've torn up your initial missive and come back and actually rewritten it and made it sound a little better. Now you can just write something and hit send without stopping and thinking. Teach them not to do that. That even if they're upset and angry, not just to fly off and write something that they may regret, but to take time, cool off and, you know, institute something like, you know, once if you wanted to send something like that, take two hours before you hit send. Just let them really realize they need to stop and calm down because once it's out there, they can't take it back. You also need to point out to them that when you are using uh, merely te texts and emails, you're not seeing the person. You're not hearing their tone. You're not seeing their facial expressions. You're not 
being able to tell what their body language is. All of those things give context to our words. So whereas you may be saying something that sounds sarcastic, but if somebody can see you, they can see you're just joking. And you can laugh at the end, you can smile as you're saying it, they can hear the lightheartedness in your voice, they won't take it the wrong way. However, when you're just typing that, it may sound serious and it may sound that you're really cross with them when you aren't. Now, obviously, emojis and things help. And yes, I'm not against emojis. I think obviously you don't want to do this in, you know, formal writing. But if you're just writing to somebody, emojis do help because I think they do fulfill that role of providing a tone. So at least I know whenever I say something and I think and I'm joking and I'm not sure if the person on the other side will understand that, I will always put a smiley face. So they get the point. No, I'm not mad at them. I'm just laughing with them at them whatever it is but they can understand but this is something that students need to 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 um to learn as as they were writing online um and the other thing is obviously you need to teach them that if they're in a context where someone sends them something that seems uncomfortable in whichever context it is online they should come to you teaching them about stranger danger online or just even inappropriate actions from people they do know. You teach them to do that in real life. Teach them the same thing online. If they get something and it upsets them, come, they should come to you. Just to give you an example of um, a way that I ended up having to teach my kids some of this online communication is my children were part of a stock market team. It's one of the contests our homeschool group organizes. And they had to communicate, the teams had to communicate almost entirely online because the kids weren't seeing each other all the time. And mine were quite young as they started to play. They were in elementary school. And I had to eventually tell them to let me see the emails before they sent them because they would send off what they thought was, you know, a nicely worded email. But I could look at it and say it sounded like they were uh, just dictating what their teammates needed to do. They were trying to get some discussion going. That's not what it sounded like. And I had to teach them that their tone and everything was missing. Also, of course, make sure your children don't use caps. Remind them that that's basically shouting. Um, if your children are communicating online and emailing and asking people for something, make sure that they do that clearly, that they try to give all the information needed. The one thing with online communication is, yes, you can go backwards and forwards. It's also frustrating, though. It's, it takes more time if you have to wait for someone to look at the emails again. So that's another thing about online communication is try to, when you're in that kind of situation, to put everything down that's necessary. For instance, um, I get a lot of students asking me for recommendation letters. Just recently, I got a great one with a student. Um, she's not actually a college student, one of my old students, and she asked me for a letter. She told me when it was due. She told me who it was for, and she included a list of everything that she'd been doing recently so I could use it when I wrote the letter. Um, I didn't have to keep going back to her and asking her questions and it saved me a lot of time and I appreciated that. Then I want to say to you in teach your kids how to communicate in the online classes. If your students are old enough, like middle school and high school, they should be doing the communication. If there is some kind of question about an assignment, tell them to message their teacher or teaching assistants if the classes use them. They should do it politely. I've had students say, um, excuse me, 
I think you have forgotten to publish the next module. Or, excuse me, I think perhaps you've graded me incorrectly. I don't understand why you gave me zero on that part. Those kind of students are so happy to help and sometimes it is our mistake. But if it's not our mistake, we can go back and say, well, no, you actually didn't follow instructions and we can work through it. However, I've also had students who've said, why did you give me that grade? That's not right. I did it properly. No, you don't speak to adults like that and they wouldn't do that in real life. But somehow, because they're doing it online, they seem to think it's appropriate. I'm sure their parents would be horrified, but the parents are probably not realizing this is happening. And I've had to go back and say, excuse me, um, would you like to rephrase that? And then I can help you. Finally, I want to say that do explain to your children that the one great thing about online communication is that it's a quick way to communicate and to follow up on live conversation. So if, for instance, your child has just got a job from somebody and they've talked verbally over it and you just want to make sure that this is exactly ex the expectations are the same on both sides. So for instance, perhaps they're babysitting. This is a great idea to sit down and write a little email and say, right, I just want to go over what we talked about. Make it clear. This is the time you want me to do bedtime. This is it. This is it. And this is how much you're going to pay me. Is this correct? And shoot that off. Because putting it in writing does take away any confusion that could arise between people. And this is one of the big bonuses of online communication. It doesn't take a long time and you can just make sure that you have understood each other properly and you don't walk away from a live conversation with any miscommunication. So there's just a few things that came to my mind as I thought through this concept of online communication. If you want to look over again what I've said um, and find the link to Grammarly and how to use it with emails, you can go to homeschoolingwithtechnology.com and look at episode 26. Look for that and you will find it. Uh, do remind you again about our sponsor, Funder Funder Academy. Take a look at the online classes as you're busy considering classes for next semester, next year. And do share this podcast with your friends if you have found it useful. See you again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.